Radio. Hello and welcome to this Lumen Verum Apologetics Lecture by Paul Bazanis on the topic, The Church and Bioethical Issues. This November 2010 recording comes from one of Lumen Verum's Friday Evening Apologetics Lectures at St. Michael Archangel Parish in Belfield. Paul Bazanis is a University of Sydney science graduate who has spent the last decade working in biotechnology. Okay, so to those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Paul Zanis. I, um, at the moment, um, I'm a, well, I'm a computer scientist, so at the moment I'm working at Opus, but for the last 10 years before that I've been working at biotech companies and I've been studying this particular subject and, and other subjects related to biotechnology in depth. And um, I, I keep doing research, and if anyone is a friend of mine on Facebook, they'll regularly see the latest stem cell therapy that's being done. Um, anyway, so without much more ado, um, I will basically, the structure of my talk basically is that um, I'll briefly talk about uh, clinical trials that happen right now, in particular one at the moment, which is probably mentioned in the blurb about the talk, the um, embryonic stem cell trial, the first of its kind which is being done right now, and I'll talk about the ethics of it as well. I'll give you a brief overview of the stem cell market. I think that's important to know precisely who are the players in this particular area, you know, who is making money out of this. The church's position, of course. Um, um, a lot of us probably know the church's position on it, but uh, to, to, to hear what the Pope said explicitly is very illuminating. In fact, some of the best, um, the best information that I've read has actually come from the... Um, are from various um, typical councils. So it's, it's, it's amazing how clear it is. Um, I will very briefly talk about the current state of stem cell research in Australia and around the world. I'll try not to make it too weighty. And then I'll talk about the different stem cell types and how this relates to end-of-life issues, which you may think, how is this relevant? I think it's very relevant because many of the things that we are doing which is unethical, is very much related to things that are doing unethical in end of life. It's amazing how the two mirror each other. And some potential adult stem cell therapies, some that we're seeing right now and some that we'll be seeing in the, in the future. So, to start off with, I'll talk about the Guerin embryonic stem cell clinical trial. Has anyone, has anyone heard about this? Um, I'm surprised not even one person has heard about it, but um, there wasn't much media announcement about this particular trial. This is the first of its kind. We've heard talk about embryonic stem cells all the time since 2003 when we started having that big debate in Parliament in Australia. And this is the first embryonic stem cell trial that has started. Now this is this is actually um, this is being done in the United States at the moment. The company is Geron. They have spent $170 million on this so far. So they've got a lot riding on this. They've been trying since 2003 to do this trial. Um, it was recently accepted three days after Obama was inaugurated into office. And pretty soon after that, um, the, the, the trial was put on hold. So officially started three days after Obama was inaugurated and it was planned by the company. To, that, that particular timing was planned by the company and, and they actually admitted it. The spokesperson from the company said that and boasted that. <clears throat> and was put on hold almost right away. 
the reason why was because it, um, the experiments they'd done on mice um, caused cancer in mice, which of course is one of the problems of embryonic stem cells that, that I'll go through. Anyway, um, now it has been accepted. Um, so, about this particular trial, the idea of this trial is to treat people who have got spinal cord injuries, which of course is a very, of course we all want to treat people with spinal cord injuries, you know, this is, this is a very, very big deal. This is what embryonic stem cells were supposed to do all along. They received FDA approval on January the 23rd, 2009, which I think is about three days after Obama was inaugurated, three or four days. It's a drug that is designed to treat specific forms of spinal cord injury. Um, basically, they're injecting embryonic stem cells into the spine in the area which is damaged. So, so basically, um, Guerin Corporation is using when. When you read the history of a lot of these things that have happened, you find lots of very interesting links between people. Now, Garon Corporation is doing this based on patents that they have on embryonic stem cells. These patents um, were done based on the work of the first person who produced embryonic stem cells, who managed to extract stem cells from an embryo, Dr. James Thompson. He has said some very interesting things about this. He has said, um, anyone who does not have qualms about doing embryonic stem cell research obviously has not thought about it very much. So this is the pioneer of embryonic stem cell research. He said that. And now Garon is using his work, that's been $170 million in his work, to do this trial. <clears throat> so Garon has spent $170 million on this. Now there's a, company, there's a Melbourne company called Mesoblast. They do adult stem cell research. They've got cash reserves currently of $16.8 million. And they have had these clinical trials for adult stem cells that have been quite successful. They've done about 10 or 12 so far. And they've all been quite successful. Um, I told someone about this um, a while ago in my um, uh, Dragon Boat Club. I do dr Dragon Boat Racing. And um, he invested in Mesoblast. I didn't realise at the time, but he invested. Since then, he's made lots and lots of money. Not that I'm recommending that you do that. But I've seen this company just, just get success after success after success in adult stem cells. Garrett Corporation is doing their first embryonic stem cell trial and they don't expect it to work. This is a trial to determine safety. They are telling the media nothing may, nothing may seem to come from this. This is just testing whether it's safe or not. No, this may not work. And many people don't expect it to actually work, but that won't stop them doing more clinical trials because at the moment, the only thing that it's testing is whether the person will die from it or not, pretty much. Whether, whether it will be safe enough so that the person does not have any undue effects. So that's what this trial is all about. The trial is just to determine safety, to determine whether embryonic stem cells are safe. Now, I'll briefly go into the, well, I'll go into the ethics of that later. For now, I just want to um, go into um, the current stem, stem cell market. It's big. As you can see, Garrett Corporation has spent $170 million on this trial already. However, the global stem cell market is forecast to reach $63.8 billion in US money by 2015. That's, that's not a little bit of money, that's, that's a lot. 
from an estimated 21.5 billion in 2010. So from, from 2010, it'll be 21.5 billion. And by 2015, five years later, it'll be almost three times as much. The major, the, the major application in the stem cells market is in oncology, oncology which, which is cancer treatments, cardiology, so heart disease and so on, and bone and cartilage. Now at the moment, we have been able to grow cartilage inside people, but not with embryonic stem cells, with adult stem cells. So there's some things that the adult stem cells can do that embryonic cannot do, is that right? Well, the idea behind the embryonic stem cells is that um, they, theoretically, they should be able to produce any type of cell because the embryonic stem cells are designed to contribute to the growth of the embryo, which needs just about every single type of cell in order to grow. So therefore, the embryonic stem cells should be able to produce any type of cell. That's the idea behind it. However, they are designed to contribute to the growth of the embryo, not to the growth of an adult, which is one of the problems with it. So if embryonic stem cells are used in the wrong way, at the moment, if they're used for adults, they produce cancer. And that's one of the reasons why this trial was put on hold for so long, because it was producing cancer in, the, in mice. Now, that's another thing which is quite interesting um, with stem cells. Many people are not aware that because the, um, the, the morph what they call the morphology is the same between, is similar between humans and other, and other primates and even mice and so on, they, can, they frequently do tests by getting human cells and putting them into mice or pigs or some other type of animal. Um, and this is what they've done. They have already, there's already been a lot of research done by getting human embryonic stem cells and putting them into mice. And that's what Geron did. They've got human embryonic stem cells put them into mice. And uh, at first of all, the mice just kept dying for the last five, six years. Now they've recently done a test and the mice didn't actually die this time. So they're doing this um, uh, spinal cord injury trial on humans. Now, of course, the first thing you should ask is, um, well, if this has never been done before, this is absolutely amazing. But the truth is it has been done before with adult stem cells. So adult stem cells have been used to treat spinal cord injury. Um, should probably wait until I get the specifics later to describe it, but there have been about four or five cases of people who have um, had adult stem cell injections into the spine. Uh, in fact, someone actually had it, had, had it injected into the blood and it just so happened to go into the right area. For some, for some reason, adult stem cells seem to migrate to the area that they need them because they're great for fixing up problems. So, the adult stem cell market is the stem cell market is absolutely huge, and at the moment, even the um, um, I, I recently read a report on the stem cell market that cost about three thousand dollars, so I didn't actually pay pay that. I just read the summary, and um, this and this is designed for biotech companies. This particular report, and already they're talking about sixty billion dollars by two thousand fifteen, and even that report is saying the main area they, they're going to see increasing is our stem cell research. Even then. So you've got to ask yourself, why is Garon spending so much money on this? Well, the reason why is because I already have spent so much money on it. There's another reason, though. Um, if I um, 
Sorry, Sorry, can I just quickly ask, with the adult stem cells, mm. if I needed treatment, am I using my own stem cells or that of someone else's? Okay, well, if you... Um, uh, adult stem cells are used in therapies a lot these days, mm. and there are different ways in which they can be used. So one typical way is to get... Uh, one, one very common way at the moment is to get stem cells from my bone marrow. So I... Your bone marrow is, is just really rich in stem cells. When you go to the blood bank and you donate blood, all that blood is regenerated. How? Stem cells. Stem cells from the bone marrow. And if, for example, you donate your plasma, um, the plasma component is regenerated in about 24 hours. So if you donate a litre of plasma, that is regenerated in about 24 hours, which is, which is quite fast if you think about it. So, there are stem cells in your bone marrow. What you can do is you can get stem cells from your bone marrow and you can transplant it to somewhere else. That is the best type of adult stem cell therapy at the moment. And the reason why is because they're your cells. Um, most people here would probably be aware of organ transplants. Basically, um, if you have an organ that doesn't work, um, you can get a transplant from someone else with certain types of organs. And one of the big problems with that is rejection. Because that is not your DNA, that is someone else's DNA. However, if you get stem cells from yourself and inject it back in yourself, you don't have a rejection problem. And that is one of the biggest advantages at the moment of adult stem cell research. However, that's not the only type of ways that you can use adult stem cells. I can extract bone marrow from myself and I can donate it to someone else. And people who have got um, uh, leukaemia frequently have bone marrow transplants, which is in fact an adult stem cell transplant. And what that is, is they basically destroy the immune system and they replace it with adult stem cells that come from me or someone else. And at the moment there is some matching of the um, stem cells to make sure that they roughly match your, your physiology. Um, so there is still some matching of, um, of bone marrow. So you, so you can in fact go on a bone marrow registry and, uh, and the people look, look at that registry and uh, say, okay, this person is probably going to be a match for this um, person who has leukaemia. So you can donate your adult stem cells to someone else, but one of the problems is, in fact, rejection, because you're donating your cells to someone else, and that's why they have to find a close match. However, even with that, many people have, many, many scientists and doctors now have found ways around this to reduce the rejection problem. Okay. Does that answer the question? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. So, I'll just briefly cover the church's position now before I actually describe stem cells. Okay. So, the Catholic Church applauds science. It applauds science and research that benefits us and improves our lives. Now, I, I, um, um, the actual history of science is quite amazing to read. And you see the church is there all throughout it. The church has been involved in science all the way. And in fact, um, many of the um, scientists that I've spoken to at biotech companies are not aware that, that they talk about genetics. You know? they, they talk about how great genetics is. Many of them are not aware that the pioneer of genetics was in fact an Augustinian monk. They know his name, Gregor Mendel, they just don't know he was an Augustinian monk. 
Um, so the church has been there all the way. Even when you talk about, for example, the Big Bang Theory. I don't know what people think about that. But, that, but it was, in fact, um, a priest who was the head of the Vatican Academy of Sciences who came up with that. Many people don't know that either. When so. was um, this Augustinian monk? Gregor Mendel. Yeah, Mendel. Um, you got me there. <laughs> yeah, 19th century. In fact, he was um, around um, during when, when Charles Darwin was coming up with his theory. And in fact, this is something that most scientists do not know as well, Charles Darwin actually rejected um, Mendelian inheritance. That's basically inheritance of genes. So you may inherit the colour of your eyes from your parents. It's pretty obvious to us all now. In hindsight, um, Charles Darwin himself rejected that theory. He said, I don't like it, it's not good. He believed there were genes in the environment called pan genes and they somehow affected us, which we all know is actually completely wrong. So, one of the major tenets of the theory of evolution um, was in fact wrong. But many people, but you don't talk about it these days because you only talk about the past that was right. And of course, what people do now is they get a theory of evolution and they merge it with the um, um, Mendelian inheritance to make the current theory of evolution that, that um, most scientists talk about. Anyway, I just thought I'd say that because that's a nice little interesting point there. Okay, so the Catholic Church has always been behind science. They've always imported anything that actually helps us and makes us better. Embryonic stem cell research, however, requires the killing of a human embryo. Now, let me explain something briefly. This is... Um, there are religious beliefs, and there is science. Now, this is a scientific statement. I, I was, a, was an embryo. We were all embryos once. That's not religion. You're not required to believe that as a part of the Catholic Church. But that is science. You will fail first year embryology if you say otherwise. Because that's just what science tells us. We were all embryos once. So, um, what the Catholic Church says is that embryonic stem cell research, because it requires the killing of a human embryo, which is a distinct human life, this is wrong. Because every single human life is sacred, you know. We, we, we can't just kill a human life. So this is not a religious dogma. You will find this in textbooks. If you pick up a textbook on, on, on embryology, sometimes I use fancy words. Um, even if you go to the textbook that everyone uses these days, Wikipedia, if you look up the entry on embryology, that will say that um, the embryo is a diploid eukaryote, I, I think it is. You look up eukaryote, that's an organism. What is an organism? A life form. And because this is a human embryo, it's a human life form. So even Wikipedia agrees that all they're doing the roundabout way, and there's a few errors in the entry as well, however. No one actually disagrees with this. We were all embryos once. Therefore, the Catholic Church opposes human embryonic stem cell research. But it supports adult stem cell research. The reason why is because with adult stem cell research, you don't need to kill anyone. I don't, I don't, need, to, I don't need to kill myself in order to donate bone marrow to someone or, in fact, to donate peripheral blood stem cells. In fact, I, I, I'm just guessing, but I think that soon blood banks... You, you will be able to go and donate blood, um, blood and, and they will actually take off your peripheral blood stem cells. And they say, do you want to donate your stem cells for that? So, yep, no worries. The reason why, because they already effectively use the stem cells. Because when you go to the blood bank and you um, donate blood, they separate your blood into plasma, platelets, 
and red blood cells, mm -hmm. and um, that those platelets are used for cancer victims lots of the time. Uh, sometimes it's used for uh, creating um, drugs for people with Alzheimer's. All all of the products are, are used a lot. In fact, there aren't enough people donating at the moment. So you can um, get stem cells out of blood. Blood. Yep. Yep. Peripheral blood stem cells. I understand that they're called peripheral blood stem cells because actually come from the bone the, marrow. What was the peripheral blood stem cells? Yep. yep. So peripheral meaning they are they are on the outer edges. But the idea there, I believe, is that the, the stem cells are coming from the bone marrow. So they're really bone marrow stem cells, but they're leaking out of the blood. So these are already used for treating people with peripheral blood stem cells. You also have got stem cells in fat, of all places. So there was a pioneering adult stem cell trial recently, where what they did was, um, it was for people with heart disease. And they found an they found out that fat cells are rich in, fat is rich in stem cells. They're called adipose stem cells because adipose means the fat. So what they did is they extracted fat from people who had heart disease um, and um, enriched the stem cells from it. There's a company called Sartori Therapeutics working in this area and put it back into people who um, had heart disease. And they found improvement in those with heart disease. Of course, they're still doing clinical trials and many times um, going from an idea to an actual clinical um, therapy that is used widely can take 10, 15 years sometimes. So these these trials have been going on for about eight years now. It'll be nice to see some of these coming out soon. There'll be plenty of availability in life for such Yeah, well, that's, that's one of the things I said. Lots of those who've got heart disease seem to have some spare adipose stem cells. One thing they have done though, because um, organ transplants is very much needed these days, but there's frequently organ rejection because your your DNA is not the same as someone else. But they, one thing they have done in a young boy and a woman is they got a trachea from, from someone else. So this part, this part here, they got the trachea and they didn't want to cause rejection. Um, of the of the organ. So what they did was they stripped it of the person's of the donor's um, cells. So so they basically got rid of all of the person's DNA material from it, and they seeded it with stem cells from the patient. So basically, they got the organ, they got rid of all the donor cells, and they um, seeded it with the patient's stem cells, transplanted it into the person. And there's a young boy and a young woman who have done this now, and the doctor who did it is um, is um, going to start doing this regularly. He's only done two one-off things. Both of the people have now got this new trachea. Everything's fine with them, as, as, as far as I'm aware. I've, I haven't heard anything recently, any problems. Neither of them take anti-rejection drugs, because that's one of the things you frequently need to do when you, when you have organs from someone else in your body. You need to take anti-rejection anti-rejection drugs so that your body does not reject the organ. That's pretty amazing. And now there, there are quite a few hospitals that I know of um, in the US that are gearing up to do this thing often, to do this thing regularly, where they get organs from someone else, strip off the cells, and just simply seed it with the patient's stem cells. It's amazing stuff what is happening. So, 
Now, one of the things that you will hear mentioning with stem cells is cloning. And a lot of you may say, well, what has cloning got to do with stem cells? It's got nothing to do with adult stem cells at all. Adult stem cells, you won't be doing cloning. Although you can do cloning, you won't need to. With embryonic stem cells, one of the problems with embryonic stem cells is you are taking stem cells from an embryo. That embryo is a distinct human being that will never exist again. So that DNA is not your DNA. So chances are it'll be rejected. And that's precisely what happened in the Geron embryonic stem cell initial preclinical trials. That's why it was put on hold for so long. And I'm personally worried for the um, patient who has had um, human embryonic stem cells injected into their spine for that reason. So, how do you get around that problem with embryonic stem cell trials? What you do is you, the idea that here is that you clone. So you clone, basically you get a, um, an, an egg or an embryo, you extract the DNA from it, the, the, um, you extract the genetic material from it, and you put in it the patient's genetic material. And then you zap it with electricity, like a Frankenstein experiment. Although these days sometimes you use chemicals as well. And voila, you get, um, after about 500 attempts, you get an embryo that is now a clone of the person. Well, that's not a perfect clone. And there are reasons why it still causes rejection. Because, in fact, there is um, genetic material which is not inside the nucleus and so on. It's quite, um, so even that sometimes causes rejection as well. That's why cloning has been talked about. So in 2003, when they were talking about cloning and embryonic stem cells, um, lots of people were saying to me, why are they talking about cloning as well? That's why. Because I want to use cloning with embryonic stem cell research to not cause rejection. However, that's not what Geron is doing in this particular trial. Um, and part of the reason why I mentioned that is because the, the, the church's position on cloning that it is unethical and it's wrong. Not only simply because um, it also means you are creating an embryo that you then destroy. Okay. So now I'll go and briefly go into the different types of, of stem cells. Um, I'll try to make it very brief. Um, whenever you read a document about stem cells, read an article, you need to look for two major, two major things. Where did it come from? So, all, so even try to ignore some of the words they use, embryonic and adult stem cell. Just try to find out where did they come from. Look for that um, part in the article that says they extracted this from a patient or they got this from an embryo. That's what you're looking for. Where do they come from? The second thing you're looking for is what can it do? So, so why are they so good? Now, the types of stem cells that you will hear about are, of course, embryonic stem cells. These are um, the word embryonic there usually means the fact that it came from an embryo, but not all the time. Most of the time, but not all of the time. That's why you have to look for where did it come from in the actual article. So, embryonic stem cells usually means stem cells that are extracted from an embryo. So, basically, at the start of our existence, we were all embryos. And um, the very start of the life of an embryo is zygote. And you extract 
the stem cell, the embryonic stem cells from that particular stage. So it's very, I think it's about five days, five days after the embryo has started growing or something like that. Uh, it could be three to eight days. Um, throughout all that time you can extract embryonic stem cells. That's what embryonic stem cells are. Sometimes they may use the term embryonic in the same sentence. And there's a very famous person that did that once. In 2003, in Australia, we were having this massive debate about about embryonic stem cells. And there was this scientist, an expert in Australia on embryonic stem cells called Dr. Alan Trounson. He was was reasonably famous at the time for embryonic stem cells. He, um, He showed Parliament a video of a mouse that had been cured with embryonic, stem, with embryonic stem cells. And this, and I, and I distinctly remember seeing this on the TV, seeing this mice, mouse dragging itself along um, by its uh, front legs, which, which, had, which, it, which had been paralysed before. Although its hind legs weren't working that well, it, it, it was still pushing a little bit. So you could see, yeah, yeah it actually was, it was efficacious, it did work. Only problem was, it wasn't true. So our debate, which was, um, we changed our law based on this, and it wasn't true. Dr. Alan Trounson later on said, oh, it was just a minor detail, they're actually embryonic germ cells. And if you think about it, embryonic stem cell, embryonic germ cell, they're almost exactly the same, aren't they? Turns out they're actually completely different. And this is where you start getting into the term embryonic, meaning coming from the embryo, and embryonic meaning at the start of the life of a particular type of cell. And that's what the embryonic germ cell means. So, embryonic stem cells usually mean stem cells that are extracted from an embryo. These are not the good types of cells. These are the bad cells. Then, we talk about adult stem cells. Adult stem cells uh, typically come from a human body. So, an embryonic germ cell could be an embryo. Could be an adult stem cell. Yes. In this particular case... Just because it's beginning of. Yes, in this particular case, they were what are called fetal stem cells. So um, basically, they came from a fetus. That's that's specifically where they came from. And technically, that is considered an adult stem cell because it is well beyond the embryonic stage. Does that explain the? Yeah, fetus said that. Yeah. That would even be more of a crime to destroy it. If the, if the fetus was just naturally aborted, then it would be technically okay, but most of the time that's not the case. So, yeah, that, that would be a huge ethical problem for me. Um, so, but basically, Dr. Alan Trouncell lied. Now, currently, at the moment, he is in California. He's running the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine. Um, they, they got $3 billion from the state of California to create a huge research institution that was doing pri- only embryonic stem cell research. And one thing that most people do not know as well is they also got $3 billion from the Stowers Institute, which is a benevolent institute that gives money away. And at the moment they have... Um, well, they've got lots of big buildings at the moment. Um, I don't think they've actually done all that much. They have funded lots of embryonic stem cell research. Nothing has come of it. So in the last couple of years, they have changed to doing adult stem cell research. I think that's one of the things that Arnie pushed through um, in his time as governor. Because he was frustrated by the fact that nothing was happening. 
Anyway. So. You mean Arnold Schwarzenegger? Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. Yeah, Governor of California. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, he, he was very much behind the California Institute for Regenerative Medicine. Um, but then he started getting a bit annoyed by it because they were just spending money and there was all this corruption and lots of money has just disappeared. No one knows where it's gone. Um, anyway, so adult stem cells. You will hear words like adipose stem cells that refers to the fat. So frequently you will see um, in articles stem cells were extracted from someone's fat. That's adult stem cells, of course. Uh, stem cells come from the bone marrow. That's, that's adult stem cells. In fact, pretty much anything which is not embryonic stem cells usually is described by scientists as adult stem cells. Um, you will hear about things like umbilical cord stem cells. That's stem cells from the umbilical cord. Um, so every single time a baby is born, we get this uh, rich supply of stem cells in the umbilical cord that we can use. And we have used it. We've used it for leukemia patients at the moment, mainly. But um, we have also used it for um, various other things. Um, I can't tell you off, off, off the top of my head. Um, placental stem cells, stem cells from the placenta. It's amazing where you can get stem cells from these days. You can get stem cells from the nose, you can get stem cells from the skin. In fact, the skin, technically, um, is a stem cell itself. It's a very unusual stem cell because it only produces more skin. But, it's what they, but scientists technically call it a unipotent stem cell, but they don't usually call it a stem cell in the media and that kind of stuff. So stem cells are everywhere. In fact, there are stem cells in every single part of our body because every single part of our body needs to regenerate and it needs to fix itself up. So now, there's another type of stem cell that has recently been talked about. So the reason why embryonic stem cells are so good is because embryonic stem cells theoretically can produce any type of cell in the body because they contribute to the um, development of the embryo. So theoretically they can produce any, any cell at all. This is great. It's called, it's called at, at the risk of, of uh, putting another scientific term in there, it's called pluripotent. It can do anything, pretty much, almost anything. Okay. Now, there's another stem cell at the moment called an induced pluripotent stem cell. What this is, is basically you get a skin cell from my arm and then you put it into a petri dish, put some chemicals in there, and it reprograms it and it becomes just like an embryonic stem cell. Except it was completely ethical because I didn't destroy any embryo in the process. So induced pluripotent stem cells have been talked about a lot. In fact, um, one of the reasons why I mentioned the founder of embryonic stem cell research before is because he has precisely talked about this. And he has said, we no longer need to do embryonic stem cell research. This is the founder of embryonic stem cell research himself. In fact, the guy who first discovered this, Dr. Yamanaka, he was a Japanese scientist, he said the first time he looked down a microscope at an embryonic stem cell, he realised there must be a better way. We must be able to do this without destroying embryos. And that's how he came up with induced pluripotent stem cells. It's just, it's, it's very interesting the way it happened. And then in, in 2007, I think it was, he jointly did it with Dr. James Thompson, who was the founder of embryonic stem cell research. And, and they, so initially um, he did it with mice and then Dr. James Thompson and, and, and Dr. Yamanaka did it with human cells. So this, this is the, um, this, this is the um, amazing stem cell which scientists are all raving about at the moment. Sometimes they call them embryonic stem cells. 
but they're not actually embryonic stem cells because they come from just my skin, maybe, and they just reprogram it. And they are pluripotent. They are induced pluripotent. They, are pl they can become any other type of cell. So that's the three types of stem cells you will hear. Embryonic stem cells, extracted from the embryo. Adult stem cells, extracted from any part of the human body. And induced pluripotent stem cells. What's the procedure of doing that inducing? Okay, what you do is you take a biopsy from your skin. So basically you take a, a skin cell from your skin. Or blood, or in fact anything else. But mostly they do it with skin at the moment. And I think skin has got some very unusual properties that make it really good for doing this. And then they put it into a petri dish and they just simply... Um, frequently what they do is they use, um, is they use viruses to reprogram... Um, things. So viruses have been used even in people to change, to modify genetic diseases. Uh, I won't go too much into that. Um, and and this is a very, um, it's a very challenging area. But um, initially, pluripotent stem cells were developed by, uh, by using viruses, and because viruses are really good at triggering genes. And what they are pretty much doing with these cells is that they're triggering the genes that make it turn back into a state, pluripotent state. However, since then they have they have done it without viruses. So there's no more problem with using viruses. Um, so that's pretty much what they do. They pretty much get a skin cell, put it into a petri dish, and they no longer use viruses, they just simply put chemicals in there and voila, you've got induced pluripotent stem cells that are just like embryonic stem cells. Only it was a lot easier. In fact this is one of the reasons why scientists are raving about it. Because to do cloning and embryonic stem cell research, you need a fair, a fair lot of technology and, and expertise to do that. But to create induced pluripotent stem cells, it's easy. You just put in a petri dish, put chemicals in there, and voila. All you need is a, basically, a basic cell biologist to do this. It's cheaper, it's easier, and, and many more people can do it. So why is all the hype about embryonic stem cells? Why? Why? Well, I think it's because Garon Corporation has spent $170 million on it. But there's another reason, I, I suspect. If I um, go into the hospital and um, I get stem cells taken from my bone marrow and put into my heart, for example, or better still, taken from my fat and put in my heart, okay? Um, where does Garon Corporation come into that? Where? They don't. I mean, sure, they could supply some of the drugs that help me along with this, you know, that keep me alive, whatever. But imagine what they could do. They could control the source of that stem cells. They can't control my stem cells. I own them. But if they could control the source of those stem cells, wow, they've got control over, well, the entire supply, the entire supply and demand. And that's what embryonic stem cells give you because who owns an embryo? An embryo is a distinct human individual. Once you've destroyed it, who actually owns it? Well, it's the company that extracted it. And that's pretty much what Garon Corporation has done. So they control the source. No one can use these embryonic stem cells without their say-so. And because they have got patents on embryonic stem cells, and these patents are, are pretty amazing in the breadth of them, they've even been challenged in court, um, they even stopped, um, when, when embryonic stem cell research wasn't being done in the States for a long time, everyone was saying, oh, the evil Bush government was doing this. In fact, it was the patents on the embryonic stem cells, which Garon Corporation now has.
That's what was really stopping it. <clears throat> so, I think this is about the source. Gerald Corporation can, can control the source. And that's why they spent $170 million on this. Whereas, if I go into the hospital, any, any doctor can just get my stem cells and just put them into another part of my body. And Gerald Corporation hasn't got much to do with that. They don't make all that much money out of that. But uh, what's the, how do you isolate stem cells in order to inject them? Okay. Um, okay. Yep. Well, um, there are many ways that can be done. Um, doctors can be trained in how to do this. But even better still, uh, companies have developed products that do this already. So I mentioned before a company called Cytori Therapeutics. They are a very interesting company, but they have developed a device called a solution system, C-E-L-U-T-I-O-N. It's a pun based on the word solution. Solution. And what it does is um, a doctor does a liposuction. It's, it's a very well-known procedure. And they put the results of that into the solution system. Within one hour, that cultivates enough stem cells for treatment. And I'm not sure how much it's going for. I think it's going. I, I think that device sells for a few thousand dollars in Japan. They're actually selling in Japan at the moment. This device. Um, so that's one way. They, they, they have these devices that do it. You can be trained um, to identify stem cells. Um, I, I don't know how difficult it is at the moment, but I do know that doctors are regularly doing this in lots of hospitals. They've done it at John Hopkins Hospital here. Um, they've done it in um, a, few, a few other hospitals here. Uh, there, there are at least six hospitals in the United States that do it, and even in India that they do it. In so this is solution. C e l u t i o n. Yes, solution. Yep. Is uh, it encourages the multi multiplying. Basically, what it does yeah. is it um, separates out the stem cells. I'm, I'm not quite sure how, how it does it. But it, it's, it, it separates out the stem cells from the, other, from the regular cells. Um, it makes sure that they are particularly adipose stem cells because you sometimes got other stem cells in there as well. And um, it separates them out so that you can then transplant that directly into someone. So I'm not sure exactly how it does it, but, but it's called solution. Yes, but you yeah. said that it multiplies? I, I, it also um, cultures it. It also cultures, I think it expands about four or five times. But they're looking at expanding that, of course. They're always looking at making this better. So this device is already out there and it's already being used. And interestingly, it's not simply used by doctors. It's used by scientists. Because scientists want to work on the stem cells. They want to see what it can do. However, um, I don't know how much this is going to be impacted by a new discovery. Um, there is now um, a discovery I recently read about, and, it's, and, and when I recently read about something, when I talk about this, it's not just something I read in the paper. Um, usually I'm talking about a peer-reviewed paper. What I mean is the paper has been put into a scientific journal where all the, the, the doctor who put it in the journal, all of their peers can look at it and try to duplicate the results. And there is this recent discovery. What they've done is they've converted skin cells directly into various different types of blood cells. 
This is absolutely amazing stuff. Because one of the things that they need a lot of is blood these days. Even now, I regularly get emails from the blood bank saying, "What do you more blood? What do you more blood?" You know, we always need blood these days. Being able to convert stem cells directly into blood bypasses that whole stem cell process. If you think about it, it really is, um, it really is better to do. Why, why bother about stem cells? You, you, you can just get one cell and just convert it directly into a, a cell you want. Anyway, so that's just a recent discovery, and they've still got to do lots of research on it and so on and perfect it. But th- this area is expanding so fast, it's, it's just phenomenal the amount of discoveries that they're making. So, lastly, I'll just talk about a few therapies that I know of right now. So, now I mentioned a Melbourne company called Mesoblast. Mesoblast have done, has, has done a lot of clinical trials recently. They've done peripheral artery disease. This, this is where the arteries in your, in your arm are diseased and in fact, it can cause you to have limbs cut off and so on. It's pretty nasty. They've done trials in that which have been quite successful. Um, usually, from what I remember about some of the clinical trials, they have about a 60% success rate. Um, disc regrowth. So, not spinal cord injury directly, but just the, the discs in the spinal cord. Disc regrowth. Uh, it's a common cause. Um, disc problems are a common cause of back problems and so on. They have had success in that. So just about every single clinical, clinical trial that I've seen with them has been successful. There, there was one that didn't have any effect. So they've actually done quite well so far. Heart disease. They've done a lot on heart disease. So what they do is something similar to Sartori Therapeutics. They actually extract, um, they, they don't extract fat, but, but they do um, extract stem cells from various other parts of the body, including the bone marrow. And they, and they separate out the stem cells and then they um, put it into the heart. They've also done, done cartilage repair. This is big news, especially for uh, athletes and so on. And geriatrics. <laughs> yes. So, Satori Therapeutics, I've mentioned, that they do reconstructive surgery. They are selling the solution system that I mentioned in Japan and they're doing reconstructive surgery for women who have had um, lumpectomies, so on. So it's pretty much reconstructing part of the breast. Um, they also do reconstructive surgery for other reasons. They do heart disease, so they extract the fat and inject it directly into the heart. They have also received European approval for their solution system. This is pretty big. They've approved approval from a major regulatory body for this system that separates stem cells from the patient's own fat. Uh, Pluristem is another company. They do placental stem cells. They do critical limb ischemia, which, which causes your limbs to be cut off, and stroke. So stroke to regenerate parts of the body. Um, there's a company called Arteriocyte. They are generating artificial blood. Well, it's called artificial blood, but it's, but it's generated with stem cells. So it's questionable whether it's artificial or not. It's currently being developed for the battlefield, so they're getting a massive investment from, from um, defence companies and so on. Paul, what about muscle, um, ligaments, tendons? Can they? Um, I understand that is a bit harder. There are companies working on that. Mesoblast is working on that as well. They're not just doing cartilage. Um, what other companies are working on that? 
there, there are some companies working on it. That, that, that's a bit harder than generating cartilage and various other parts of the body. But once again, there are so many companies in the world working on this, and 90% of them I do not know about. Um, every, every now and then, I read about this new company that um, did a trial on something else. And I'm, I'm absolutely amazed all, all these people are working on it. But it makes sense because adult stem cells can be extracted, because they can be extracted from any patient. Any, any doctor can do this. They can extract stem cells from one part of the body and put it into another part of the body without the same regulatory problems that you have with embryonic stem cells. Because with, with embryonic stem cells, you've got a massive rejection problem straight away. And that's why Garon Corporation had to go through so many hurdles in order to get the first trial going. So the results from that trial, the embryonic stem cell trial, are expected to come out within probably March next year. I think it's February or March next year. And I, of course I hope that the um, patient does not develop any further um, damage as a result of that. Um, but um, in, in February or March, that's when we should hear about the results of that trial. I personally don't, don't see any reason why embryonic stem cells should be used at all anymore. Because you've got induced pluripotent stem cells that are exactly the same. And you've got adult stem cells that can be extracted from any part of the body to do anything, really. Although a particular adult stem cell is usually um, good at producing stem cells for the particular part of the body that it's in, adult stem cells are everywhere. So I can get an adult stem cell from anywhere part, from any part of the body that will be able to be used for, for something else. So, uh, once again, you have um, um, the guy who's the, the boy whose who's trachea was um, regrown. He, he had a trachea donated from someone else. The cells were stripped out, and he had and it was regrown with his stem cells. Uh, there's a company called Odontus. They are creating a biotooth. Um, what they're calling biotooth, but basically, it's regrowing teeth using stem cells, because in fact, your your teeth are rich in stem cells. Not the actual tooth itself, but at the base of the tooth, it's rich in stem cells. In fact, uh, some companies are talking about harvesting stem cells from people who have the teeth out. I'm not quite sure how they're going to go about doing that. But they're talking about doing it because it's so rich in stem cells. And they're starting to find stem cells. Everywhere they look, they, they start to find stem cells. Sorry? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Parkinson's disease, that's a big one that they talked about with embryonic stem cells. They're saying, we need embryonic stem cells to cure Parkinson's. Well, there was a guy called Dr. Dennis Turner. He actually spoke at a Senate inquiry in the United States when they were doing their own debate about embryonic stem cells. He had Parkinson's. It was so bad, his left hand, or was his, his right hand, was moving like that. It was really, really bad, and he was pretty much confined to a wheelchair. Um, he had an injection of stem cells from his nose. Uh, that sounds a bit weird, but the nose is actually very plentiful in stem cells. Lots of stem cells there. I don't know where they are, but they are there. So he had those stem cells injected into his brain. And once again, I'm, I'm not quite sure where. I understand there's a part of the brain which is destroyed by Parkinson's. And I understand that when 90% of it is destroyed, that's only when you start noticing the symptoms, which is why it's so awful. Um, but he, he had these um, stem cells injected into his brain. So if you do a Google search for Dr. Dennis Turner stem cells, you'll read all about it. You'll read 
him talking about how um, after the injection, about three months after the injection, he was going on safaris in, in Africa. You know, he, he was um, he had to climb up a tree to escape some um, buffalo or something like that, which is amazing. So, so you start reading the story, you think yourself, this this is phenomenal. So Parkinson's has already been treated with adult stem cells, and that is peer review. That's not just simply um, something that um, some doctor said. It's been published in a, in a journal and been looked at by his peers. And people have duplicated this in, in other countries. And they've had various amounts of success. I think Dr. Dennis Turner was quite lucky because he had a very good doctor uh, and there was some luck involved. So they still need to do some research on it. Paul, how long did it last? Okay, that's a good question. It lasted for about eight years before he started seeing the symptoms. The symptoms started coming back. Eight years? Eight years, yep, eight years. So it wasn't a perfect cure because the symptoms did start to come back again. But that was eight years that he wouldn't have had them. So um, other doctors have looked at trying to perfect the um, therapy to make it better because it's not a perfect cure here. Still, this is what embryonic stem cells was wanting to do. And Dr. Dennis Turner did this, I think it was about 10 years ago. So it's actually quite a long time ago now. Uh, what else? So eyes. Now, there's another peer-reviewed paper. Um, this uh, hospital in... It'll come back to me eventually. I think it was done between the United States and England. Um, they, had pa- they had about 150 patients who had chemical burns to the eyes. And they got uh, contact lenses, coated it with stem cells from each patient, so they weren't going to be rejected. So um, for patient A, they got stem cells from him and put it on the contact lens, put it on the person, and 60 to 70% of the, I think it's 65% of the patients got complete recovery back. Um, about half of the rest got partial recovery, and for about um, 10% of the patients, it didn't work. So that's the type of thing they're doing at the moment. This is, this is pretty amazing stuff. And this is peer-reviewed. It's not just us, just an anecdote. So already we are talking about all this stuff. Eyes, eyes, there's an eye hospital starting up in Brazil precisely to do this. In fact, I understand um, lots of the, one, of the, um, one of the things that is happening a lot of is what they call stem cell tourism where someone decides they're going to go to another country to get a stem cell therapy. And sometimes this works, and sometimes it doesn't, because um, it depends on how, on how good the particular hospital is that does it. Um, so there's a lot of that happening, and, and supporters of embryonic stem cell research use that as an argument to say we should um, not put so much funding into adult stem cell research, which is... Pretty nasty to think about. Why should you stop funding any type of research? Especially one that's so good. Now, diabetes. Diabetes is is another area that they've been looking at. There's a company called Salonis Biotechnologies. They're they're currently doing trials in restoring insulin generation of the body in diabetes patients by using their own stem cells. I'm not quite sure where they, how they use it, Um, but I understand they use bone marrow with that. Um, they actually have had success with um, people in, who have diabetes type 1. I think diabetes type 2 is a bit more difficult from what I have been reading. Um, and regenerating body parts. 
generating body parts is pretty big. That what a lot of companies are doing is they try to create a framework for a, for a particular simple type of organ, maybe even an ear or something like that. And they're starting to, to create this or, or generate this using the person's adult stem cells. Um, they're still working on that, but they have made some amazing body structures as a result of it using a person's adult stem cells. Most of this is not done with embryonic stem cells. Uh, in fact, embryonic stem cells have not been used for any of these things that I've talked about. None of them. Only thing embryonic stem cells have been used in is pretty much for giving cancer to mice. I mean, I'm sure that um, they've probably done some other research, probably caused cancer to a few other animals as well. So given all the money that the Geron Research Corporation has put mm. into embryonic stem cell research, mm. what have they got to show for it? All these years and all that money. Well, I'm sure they're holding their breath to find out what happens in February or March. Um, I'm also holding my breath a bit because, in one, on one hand, I, I feel as though it shouldn't work, and on the other hand, I, I don't want the patient who's having the injection to have a serious adverse reaction to it. You know, um, it's so almost like they, you know, they're just fogging something that. They want, to, they want to make it happen because they don't want yeah. to use the adult steps. Well, if you spent a certain amount of... Before, before this trial, before this year, I think they'd spent $150 million on it. Um, and if you spend that much money, when do you stop? <laughs> I, I, I think it's a problem with um, some companies. When they spend a certain amount... Of, even at the company I'm working at now, there are some projects where they spend so much money on it and they just keep going because they spend so much money on it. When do you stop? Having said that, there's also the lure of being able to control the source, the source of these embryonic stem cells. So, um, I, I actually have not mentioned all the possible therapies that could be possible with adult stem cells. There, there's so many, and and people who have been my friend on Facebook, I'm not recommending everyone become a friend on Facebook, but people who have been my friend have probably seen over the last six months. Um, new new adult stem cell trial today, new adult stem cell trial, new adult stem cell trial. And I've been doing that for a long time. And I recently had to stop because of um, uh, work was just getting a bit difficult for me. But I was doing at least one trial every single day for about six months, sometimes two trials a day. And that's the type of, um, that's the type of, um, that is what is happening within the industry at the moment. It's absolutely phenomenal the pace at which this is going. And I'm really interested in this discovery where they've turned skin cells directly into blood cells. Because that seems to do away with the need for stem cells altogether. It wouldn't look like real blood, though, would it? Mm -hmm. Sorry? I said it wouldn't end up looking like real blood, though, would it? Well, it would... Um, th th they managed to, to develop certain types of cells within the blood, because the blood consists of all these different types of cells. Um, I don't think they need to produce all different, all the different parts of the blood for various reasons. Because, for example, um, um, platelets are used for cancer patients. If they can produce platelets, although platelets are also quite difficult, but plasma, if they can produce plasma, that, that's used for burn symptoms and so on. So all parts of the blood are really useful for, di for different types of people. Uh, in fact, the amount of drugs that are created simply from blood is, is phenomenal and that's tr that's, that is used by patients all the time. There's this um, drug used by Alzheimer's patients which is primarily created from plasma and, and platelets. And that's pretty vital for people with Alzheimer's. Um, 
Anyway, so, yeah, does anyone have any more questions? Okay, so potency is the term which is used to talk about how good the stem cells are. So when you talk about function, you talk about potency. So you have, at the top here I've got what they call unipotent. Unipotent stem cells. And one example of that is the skin. Although you don't typically talk about it as a stem cell. But it's called unipotent because all it can do is to generate skin. That's all. All it can do. Um, this is the other type of potency. Multipotent. So multi means many. Multipotent. So adult stem cells used to only... Scientists and doctors used to think adult stem cells were only multipotent. As in, if you have got... A, what they call a hematopoietic stem cell, a blood stem cell. It can only produce various blood cells, but it can't produce skin or it can't produce hair and so on, that kind of stuff. Not hair, but um, yeah, other, other stuff. Um, however, adult stem cells have now, they've found adult stem cells from the placenta that are like this one, what they call pluripotent. Pluripotent, so, so pluri means, well, it's like a multi-multi. Pluri means it can do almost anything. It can produce almost any type of cell. This is what embryonic stem cells are. They are considered pluripotent, although I actually don't think it's been technically proved, but it's believed that they are pluripotent and they can develop any, any other single type of cell with the exception of an embryo itself. Um, so, embryonic is pluripotent. Now, there's um, the other type of stem cell I mentioned was induced pluripotent stem cells. They are also pluripotent because they've had pluripotency induced into them by reprogramming with these chemicals. Okay, so embryonic is pluripotent. You have some adult stem cells that are pluripotent. Um, some of the stem cells in the placenta are pluripotent. Some of the stem cells in the umbilical cord, for, for some reason less of them in the umbilical cord are pluripotent, but some are, and they can extract them. And there's a company called Pluristem which is doing precisely this. They're extracting the pluripotent stem cells from the uh, placenta. And of course you've got induced pluripotent, induced, I'll just call it induced, induced pluripotent stem cells. They are pluripotent as well. Multipotent, usually you're talking about simply adult stem cells. And unipotent is the skin. Now there's another category here, which many people never talk about, um, but which I think is actually quite important. Um, and it's called totipotent. So basically, the embryo itself at the earliest stage is a zygote. That zygote at its early stage is totipotent. And the reason why is because it can split into two and you can get identical twins. When you get identical twins, that's totipotent. You basically can, um, you basically, 
a, a new embryo a new embryo is basically generated out of this. That is what totipotent means. Now this is one of the aims of scientists to produce a totipotent cell. One that is totally potent, can do anything. I used to call it um, um, omnipotent because that's really what scientists are thinking. And some scientists are thinking, when they think about this totipotent, they think omnipotent, you know. We want to be powerful to create life, you know, be, be, be able to do that. But seriously, this is actually something they don't talk about much in the media, but I think it will become a big issue in the next 10 years, maybe, 5 years, 10 years. So, anyway, pluripotent is the one that embryonic stem cells are, and pluripotent is the one that we can we, we can reprogram a skin, a, a skin cell into pluripotency. Multipotent is for um, regular adult stem cells, and unipotent you don't really need to know about. That's just the skin cell, and, and various other cells are unipotent. They're going to generate one type of cell. Has the church examined <coughs> all of these all of these things, and have, have, yeah. are there any issues about just biological messing around with um, <coughs> with creation, as it were? Yes. Well, I've, I've um, there's a lot that I haven't covered here, and I actually have even, read even in adult stem cells, it's still a kind of biological engineering. Has the church got any problems with that at all? Um, the church has got no problem with the ethical use and ethical source of stem cells. Mm. So if I extract a, um, a skin cell and I use it to grow more skin, and I use that to, um, you know, because I've got a burn or something like that, that's ethical. Um, of course, anything can be used unethically. So um, it's, it's interesting you ask that question because one of the discoveries that was done a while ago um, was that they, they managed to get a, um, um, a skin cell. They reprogrammed it so it was pluripotent, so it was light and a stem cell. And then what they did was they generated a sperm cell from it. So basically they created a sperm from it. This is scary stuff. Now, at the... Now, that particular sperm cell was not actually, um, it, it actually was not functional for some reason, but it won't be long before they do make that functional. What they do want to do is they want to create an egg as well. That's a lot harder, of course. But if they do eventually create that, um, they can basically clone someone pretty effectively, you know? They can create clones of everyone. Um, and they and they're basically, um, they basically will be, um, doing embryonic stem cell research. They'll be, these new embryos will be generated and they'll be killing them. And they'll be killing lives en masse. Or in fact, it, it, there are lots of scare stories um, about this that are half true. And there have been movies that have done about this genetic engineering and about cloning and that kind of stuff. But this is serious, serious stuff. And in Australia at the moment, we have got a regulation that says we can do embryonic stem cell research and we can do cloning. It says that in our legislation right now. This is what we debated about and this is what we decided as a country. We, uh, we can do cloning. And what is more, I can get a, an egg from a cow 
you know, or an embryo from a cow. I can extract the DNA from that, and I am allowed to get um, DNA from my skin and insert that into a cow's egg. That's called hybrids. Hybrids. This, this is cloning hybrids. We allow that in our legislation right now. We aren't allowed to implant it back into a cow yet. And we're not allowed to implant it into a human yet. But this is pretty scary stuff. So just about anything, just about anything, any discovery you can come up with can be misused. Although cloning and embryonic stem cell research are unethical right from the very beginning. Because what they're doing is they're destroying embryos. They're trying to trying to create life. Trying to be omnipotent. You have been listening to a Lumen Verum Apologetics lecture by Paul Bazanas. For more Lumen Verum Apologetics lectures, visit cradio.org.au.